episode number two of My Bag is My Best Friend. We are your hosts, Hernando and Lindsay, and we're going to get right to it with our discussion topic for today. All right, so let's get started with our first topic of discussion, which was the struggle for, for the disease. So when I first met you back in 2012, at least when we first started dating in, in 2012, I remember we were out to dinner one night and it, you started having some pains and that's when you first shared with me that you have ulcerative colitis. I didn't even really understand what that was, but if you remember, we ended up at the hospital that night in Johnson down in Hollywood, Florida, and it was our first kind of connection that's with right. that. Yeah, it was our first connection with this disease because wow. I didn't know anything about it. And to me, it was just, you had stomach pain. Dinner didn't sit well with you. And it was so much more than that. So then you started telling me about ulcerative colitis and that it was something you had been dealing with for, for a couple of years. So when, when did you first have this, you know, when did you get this disease? When did you first start having symptoms? Walk me through that. Yeah, I'd love to, honey. And it's, wow, I have a big smile on my face because it's something that he remembers so vividly. But for me, that night was just, granted, it was, that was a really tough one. And I'll explain why. But that was an incredibly painful night, as so many of them were in that first couple of years. So thank you for jogging my memory on that. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of go into why that that was so bad in particular, because I'm sure it resonates with a lot of people. But I was diagnosed in 2011. So just about a year or so before we started officially dating, though we were talking through 2011, um, which I never told you about. It's something I disguised. I didn't want you to think that there was anything wrong with me. And I think that that, that notion probably plagues the best of us with IBD, um, where we try to hide it. So I started off 2011 just out of nowhere with bad stomach pain, with cramps constantly, and not the typical cramps I would get from a period or from, you know, having eaten bad food, too much sugar. It wasn't that. It was something that I had never experienced before, and that started right at the beginning of 2012. Um, I would say by late January, mid to late January, that's when the bleeding started. So, you know, having bowel movements with blood um, sort of intertwined within the stool. Right away, I went to the doctor. I Well, I shouldn't say I went to my primary care doctor. I went to the doctor where I worked and that doctor diagnosed me with hemorrhoids. Uh, obviously having no idea what was really going on. So I spent the next month or so with hemorrhoid cream. Fast forward a couple more weeks, that certainly wasn't it as the blood became worse and worse and no sign of hemorrhoids whatsoever. So in February uh, 2011, I saw the colorectal doctor for the first time um, and he very quickly diagnosed me with ulcerative colitis after an immediate colonoscopy was performed. So I was diagnosed. Now you were still up in Syracuse at this time, right? Yeah, I lived in Syracuse, New York at that point. That's where I grew up. It wasn't for another year when I would decide to move down. So, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about. I was diagnosed with this disease in 2011. 2011 was probably the hardest year of all of them apart from these last few. And then fast forward one year, I, I was moving and, you know, starting this new life down here in Florida with my job and, you know, ultimately with you as well. So I bring that up because so the night 
that you had that, it's not like you had access to your primary doctor here in Florida. You you hadn't really established that network of doctors here. Um, and so that was a, but I'll let you get to that night. So Yeah, that night that we had dinner, one of our first dates, we had that meal and I got very sick and was not because of the meal. I, uh, I happened to have been on amoxicillin treating sinitis or a sinus infection um, and quickly learned I could never have amoxicillin again. Uh, one of the many issues with IBD is you you can't you have to be careful with all uh, antibiotics you take. And that was prescribed here, right? So you had the sinus or some kind of cold, and you had that prescribed by a doctor here in Florida. I did. It was a doctor. Um, I think by that point I hadn't established a primary care doctor, having moved to Florida. So I went to one of those you know quick sort of local urgent cares obviously sharing that I had ulcerative colitis, but unfortunately the doctor was not well informed that antibiotics could cause immediate flare-ups and amoxicillin ultimately resulted with us in the hospital that night and and on a new 40 milligram regimen of prednisone. And this is a year after my diagnosis where I was on Um, I had found sort of that concoction that works in terms of medicine, and I was off prednisone by that point. And you spent some time, uh, even up in Syracuse, with your doctor trying different medicine combinations, right? Because they couldn't really find one particular one. Because I know in in a lot of the times we've gone to doctor appointments, they keep saying, well, the the Lialda or the the other medicine. The sulfasalazine, I think. It's one or the other, yeah. And... For you, it happened to be a mixture of the two, which I know many doctors have said, well, you only need one or the other. But it just happened that that was what your doctor recommended after several tries, right? You tried different variants. Yeah, my first year, my first year after having been diagnosed between 2011 and 2012, I probably tried eight different medications. All of these medications were from the misalamine family. I I haven't had to try or I hadn't had to try 6MP or any of the other um, medicines of that varying, you know, uh, severity, I should say. So yeah, 2011 was tumultuous. The entire time I was trying out the different concoctions, and I'll call it concoctions because it was several medicines trying to find the right combination and the right dosage. You know, I was on up to 60 milligrams of prednisone uh, throughout that time period. It wasn't until the end of 2011, and you know, I consider myself thankful that we ultimately my gastroenterologist and I ultimately came to that concoction that worked or we thought it worked by the end of the year and I could finally you know start to wane off that prednisone we all with IBD are very familiar with um so by the time I moved to Florida which was in March 2012 I was feeling better I was coming closer into remission and I was on a combination of Lialda and Sulfasalazine, both of the misalamine family and a very safe, safe concoction of medication as well. And I was feeling better. Um, so I moved to Florida. I had a promotional opportunity at work. And um, that's when you and I ultimately started dating. And I I introduced you to the world of IBD. Um so, you know, how did you uh, kind of feel about that at that point as you were starting to learn about what I was struggling with? I think one of the biggest struggles was not really knowing about it and understanding that it wasn't caused by food. It wasn't 
a one-off thing. It was an intestinal disease. And it took me, I would say, years to really, you know, get to that point of understanding that because the part that also makes it interesting where it's different from other things is that you can go into a remission state. And so in my mind, it's hard to understand remission and not having the disease. One can think that you don't have the disease because you're not showing the symptoms. But part of you living with the disease was the fear of when is it going to come back? Am I going to have it? Constantly. Um, your doctor's recommending colonoscopies because they have to keep an eye on it. And so it was this, and, you know, I've been fortunate that I haven't had any medical um, diseases. So for me, this was a brand new experience. But I can't even imagine how you had to go through it because you didn't mention it to me until you kind of you were having when I episode. had to yeah right. when you so, had to take me to the hospital at three o'clock in the morning so tell me a little bit about mentally like was it like something in the back of your mind something draining where you had to like not try to talk about it and you wouldn't have talked about it until you really had to um is there like fear that went into what walk me through a little bit of you know that first year some of the, what's going through you mentally as far as like you now have a disease that you didn't have and you get it this you know you get sick and you take some medicine you feel better this is not the case there wasn't something just i'm i'm going to be better something that you had to deal with unfortunately for the next 10 years right yeah no i think when we started dating i was i had the disease for a year so i was a year in from this disease that just came i did nothing wrong and it just happened you know, there's, there's so much ongoing research trying to identify the cause. Is it genetic? Is it environmental? And it's still an unknown. So even though I had had the disease for a year, I had only found the right medication that worked for me or the right combination of diet or environmental factors, etc. just recently. So, you know, I was still coming to terms with it. I was still trying to understand it myself. And I think that night that we had the issues it was just we were so new in our relationship and I felt still so new in my disease even though I was beginning to achieve some sort of semblance of remission that you know I I hadn't shared much with you if anything and I, I certainly masked the pain that I was still feeling I if I'm honest with you I recall even six months earlier on a trip to Florida I had seen you and I was in pain constantly just constantly Tylenol around the clock Tylenol itself or Tylenol with codeine became a daily occurrence for me to to combat the pain um even with even with the prednisone um so I think you know by the time I moved and I was here and dating you it just took me some time to be comfortable and confident that you wouldn't run away because I knew this would be a lifelong disease at that point yeah so let's fast forward a couple of years so you you were on uh, remission for a couple of years and then the flare-ups kind of started coming back um what do you recall what were some of those thoughts when it started kind of flare back i mean when you were in remission did you think that you were going to be remission for forever or is that fear that you're going to get that next flare-up something that you had to live with 
So it's such a great question. And my background is very complex because although I felt I had achieved remission, A, the urgency never ceased. It got better, but it was never gone. B, the pain got better, but it was certainly never gone. And C, during this remission or towards the end of what I thought was remission, if you recall, I had a colonoscopy back in 2018 after, you know, a few years of feeling like I was in remission. And the colonoscopy where I thought I was in, let's call it this mild remission, the colonoscopy showed severe active colitis even though I didn't have necessarily those symptoms that would show it externally I could have been fooling myself for all I know but I wanted to believe I was healthy I could move forward um, when I couldn't in actuality but to answer your question about feeling as if I were in remission and you know maybe the symptoms proving that I was even though that's questionable at this point I lived in fear every single day that I would go to the bathroom, turn around, and blood would have filled the toilet as it did hundreds and hundreds of times in those first few years. I lived in fear the medicine would stop working because I knew that that was potential and that had the potential. And that's ultimately what happened and drove us to the conclusion and the outcome of where we are today. It's, it's, a really scary thing you know and that's why so many of us suffer from anxiety depression and why you know ultimately we find ourselves you know talking to therapists and psychologists and helping us get through you know the mental aspects of such a a tough disease such as ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease yeah and and we'll in, in, in a future episode I want us to go into the decision process with all the different medicines and the biologics and and go through that journey but we'll leave that for another episode so i think it was around i want to say it was 2017 that you had a colonoscopy so it was about uh or maybe it was a little bit later it was was about 2018 2018 and the goal of that colonoscopy we were hoping would lead to starting the process of, of starting a family and you were feeling great, and the colonoscopy itself was very disappointing in the result that you got, right? The, the results you got did not match how you were feeling. Tell me a little bit about, in your words, going into that colonoscopy, you were feeling good, and then the results came out. What Walk us through that event. I will. Thank you. I think ulcerative colitis and IBD allows us to fool ourselves I did not feel I was having the substantial symptoms to show that I wasn't in remission. Like I said a little while ago, I still had urgency, I still had pain, but the blood wasn't there. So I had self-diagnosed myself, I had self-diagnosed that I was in remission for several years between 20, say 2012, 2013, and that 2016, 2017 time. And then going into this colonoscopy, only to confirm to myself I was ready to move forward and start a family with you, Hernando, to come out of that colonoscopy, out of that anesthesia where I'm barely cognizant of what's going on and having my gastroenterologist who I ended up firing 
after the fact, but having him tell me that, nope, we need to move you to a biologic immediately, active, severe colitis, really without, you know, a meaningful conversation was just awful for me. I thought that night I would be trying to for a baby and instead I laid in bed for hours after the colonoscopy crying because I was just so blindsided knowing that life as I know it would stop in terms of moving forward until I figured out that solution and started on these brand new medications, biologics, which scared the living hell out of me at that point. The, the other thing I, you know, you mentioned... Um, that I just want to add to is that one of the things that for people that don't have the disease, I don't ever go back and look at my stool for blood. For you, that was a daily occurrence to look to see, do I have blood? Do I not have blood? And again, that was something that leading up to that colonoscopy, you didn't have blood coming out. And if maybe you had it here and there and it was a few spots, but again, it was it was so normal to you. It was like that was your normal a great way of life. Yeah. Um, where a lot of people that don't have the disease, we could have blood. We don't even look at it. I, you know, my eyes will speak for me. I don't ever really look at it. But um, yeah, so you were we were blindsided with that, and then the thought of that the medicines that you were taking were not working was really frightening, and we didn't really. We hadn't done the research because we didn't anticipate that result. So we didn't know about the different biologics. Um, and and so that led to uh, some other decisions. But going back to <clears throat> some of the this impacts that the disease had on you, when we do road trips, it was a big challenge that sometimes after an hour, two hours, we would have to be planning rest stops. Tell me about some of those struggles that you've had and, and as it relates to travel um, with dealing with alternative colitis. Yeah, sometimes 10 minutes, right? So the travel has always been challenging. Um, granted, it's one of the least things that I worry about because I have you, such an understanding partner, that will stop on the side of the road and help me legitimately go to the bathroom on the side of the road to prevent accidents, which I have had more times than I care to count. But so much of my life and just, I think, things that normal, I shouldn't say normal, what's normal, but People without this disease don't have to question their commute to work, meetings at work, traveling an hour down the road or across the country, being in an airplane when you take off and you can't get up out of your seat to go to the bathroom. Have you ever had an accident doing that? I have. It's really hard. And I had to come to terms with that to the point where I, you know, I don't care what people think because that was my life for the better part of a decade. Granted, I was able to achieve what I call remission. Again, I need to call it mild remission, but it was all there. So I think I allowed my I think I allowed myself to to fool myself into thinking that I was better off than I was, but travel is definitely something that is challenging or was challenging for many years. One thing Hernando hasn't shared yesterday or yet was that we're avid travelers. Um, we've spent as much time as we can traveling internationally, in fact. And there are some trips when I think back, 
I think about those hardships. I think of being in third, third world countries driving and the bathrooms did not have toilets. They had holes in the ground and myself crying as I essentially pooped out blood into a hole in the ground, holding myself up, squatting with without toilet paper, pain you know, consistently taking over my memories of these trips along with those those urgencies along the way. So travel in the car, plane, whatever it might be, has always been very challenging um, and certainly something that will always stay with me in terms of those memories. Yeah, and you mentioned just even going to work, right? Your commutes. Yeah. But having to be prepared it's almost like you had a kit you had extra clothes you had mm-hmm. toilet paper because you didn't know when you would be stuck in traffic yeah and if you have urges and you're by yourself it's not like you can yeah i had to time everything too i had to time when i would wake up so that i could go to the bathroom prior to leaving the house i could not have one sip of water even water until i was at the office and knew there was a bathroom nearby Sometimes I didn't care and I went a little crazy and I had a sip of water or maybe a cup of water because I was thirsty when I woke up and I found myself pulled over on the side of the road in a bush. I hate to share with you, but we've all been there. It's it's part of the disease. It's horrifying and unfortunately something we all just get used to as a way of life. And the other part that's really interesting about this, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners that have ulcerative colitis or Crohn's or you know that family of diseases is the masking and the hiding of it right it's it's an embarrassing event to have it's not something that that anyone's really willing to share and I think these are conversations that we probably wouldn't even be having with our friends years ago because now that we've overcome it I think we felt more comfortable and we want to share this experience and and the learnings and and hopefully be a, a motivation for someone that has the disease to say there is a solution, there is a, a way to feel better. Tell me a little bit about at work. I don't think a lot of people knew that you had the disease. Your most recent employer did know that after you've kind of shared. But tell me a little bit about that transition from, being, from the point of not hiding it, but you don't want to share it to the point where you did have the disease for 10 years and you got to the point where you feel more comfortable talking about it I was much more private at the beginning you know post-diagnosis and probably within those first two years because I was just wrapping my own arms around the disease that I had and you know trying to internalize how I overcome this how I rise above this and maintain some sort of normalcy in my life it wasn't until I would say 2014 2015 when I had believed I was in remission mild remission still with you know some symptoms of course that I became more comfortable and I realized you know the best way to ensure um, my success and in, in my role and at the company is to be you know more open if I felt comfortable with that person with that manager or with that coworker, because there were times I would be late or I would clearly be in the bathroom an exorbitant amount of time and those are all things that people wouldn't realize and, and I'm glad that you're you know mentioning it to our audience because it could lead to you know the perceived performance at work that you're arriving late but there was reasons for that so I'm really glad they you know 
we're at this point where you feel comfortable sharing these experiences and and hopefully it helps someone uh kind of realize that they're not alone that they're not the only ones going through this and to seek out help or, or groups like what we're trying to do here at my bag is my best friend so want to thank you for for opening up i uh, really appreciate you you know sharing the, you know your stories in uh, one of our next episodes, we'll talk about the process uh, of selecting your medicines and how we got to the point of deciding on a surgery. So uh, until next time, my bag is my best friend. <laughs>